fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile Wolf Pack, what is going on? It's your boy, the Wolf of Roto Street, rotostreetjournal.com, where we breed and feed fantasy wolves. Here with another episode of the Fantasy Fullback Dive, paving your path to 2019 titles, 2020 titles, actually, because it's now the new season and the carousel, the coaching carousel, is already spinning. It's the earliest wave of value changes for your fantasy football players, and probably the biggest hire right now is Mike McCarthy returning to the NFL to become the Cowboys ninth head coach. Now I'm going to be here with RJ Ochoa in a little bit to break down with his insider perspective blogging the boys of SB Nation. He is fantastic. He's going to be our fourth time on so we're thrilled to have him back. Uh, Before he comes on I'm just going to break down real quick what is this Cowboys offense going to look like in my opinion under Mike McCarthy. Is this going to be their version of Andy Reid a coach with long-standing offensive success that then gets a little bit stale like he did in Philadelphia but then is reborn for an even more potent, even more explosive second run, and I think it very well could be. He's going to get a Ferrari of an offense, 431.5 yards per game. That was most in the NFL in Kellen Moore's first year calling plays. He will be back as the offensive coordinator, and Mike McCarthy's already come out and said, this guy will be calling the plays for us. I'm going to be switching the verbiage to, to make sure it's his verbiage. I'm going to be learning it. We're not going to make the players learn a new system. That's on me. So that's huge continuity already for Dak Prescott to have the guy that he finished second in passing in the off uh, in terms of yardage, 296.8 yards per game. Uh, huge career year from Dak. So it's great that he has Mike McCarthy uh, giving up that play calling to Kellen Moore. But then you got Mike McCarthy coming in with a wealth of experience. So Moore maybe takes a step in year two as a play caller, then gets the experience benefits of Mike McCarthy, whose system, yeah, grew stable in Green Bay, but those offenses were prolific. He has some of the most career playoff success over the last decade. Only Bill Belichick has more playoff wins than him. So this guy brings a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of offensive knowledge specifically to this team. Apparently, Mike McCarthy, starting with him now, the McCarthy Project, he called it, over the last year. He wasn't just sitting and enjoying time with the family. Great. I hope you did. Hope you had some nice fun with the kids. But he recruited a group of his ex-favorite coaches to go up to his little man cave barn. Sounds awesome. Please invite me over sometime, Mike. Uh, but they went and grinded out film. You know, every at least every couple of weeks they would meet and just pour over film of the top offenses in the league. What were the trends? What were the analytics going to pro football focus out in Cincinnati? So this guy was committed fully to re-education, to reinventing his offense that did grow stale. He had a ton of takeaways with that too. One saying, 
We need to be faster paced. Now, this guy was already someone who used no huddle more often than the rest of the league. He already was someone who pushed the pace. Uh, 20.7% of the time, the Packers used no huddle there. Uh, but he said there's so many advantages to playing fast. This is going to be the first thing I stress and teach from day one of mini camp. So they're going to push the pace. And now that's something the Cowboys already did. They rose from 24th in 2018 uh, to second in the league in pace, 2554 uh, plays per second. But still, if it's more no huddle, that gives Dak definitely a little bit more flexibility at the line. Doesn't give your defense a chance to, to make adjustments. So that could be a huge move under McCarthy. Very pass happy, uh, but some growth areas he mentioned. I want to get more creative in my personnel packages, and I want to get more creative in pre-snap motion. You look at these teams like the Ravens, the 49ers, he cited as someone that stresses the defense even before the ball is snapped gets them thinking with all these players moving in unique creative ways and that's something Kellen Moore thrives at so this really could be that perfect marriage of the more ingenuity the, the personnel packages with the motion with McCarthy and these experience in game situations when it's getting tight what to run what to do uh, so ultimately I think this is going to be a beautiful marriage and I again like the fact that he's letting Kellen Moore retain play calling and they're going to kind of have this baby of the beautiful West Coast offense that McCarthy ran a lot of horizontal run after the catch type of plays the verticality of the air Coriel that Kellen Moore was more based upon a perfect baby of these two would just yield even better numbers for Dak Prescott who again career high 4,092 yards second in the league 30 TDs that was fourth in the league and finished second with 349 fantasy points could he actually be better under Mike McCarthy? I think so. This is a guy that Aaron Rodgers, yeah, they had their difficulties towards the end of his career, but ultimately Aaron Rodgers did say this guy breaks the quarterback art down to a science uh, because he preaches those fundamentals. He's so detail-oriented in things like footwork and things like you know, elbow placement at the release of the ball, just little tiny nuances that we don't really know much about. But you know, with Mike McCarthy coaching up Favre and Rodgers and all these other guys, there's a definitely track record here uh, of success that could only help Prescott, who, yeah, John Kitna definitely helped shore some of that up, as we'll talk with the show in a second. He loved some of the huge things about the hit movement before games, as we've all seen. Uh, but there's still definitely some strides. There's some great articles out there about how Dak still can refine some mechanics and lazy habits, uh, and Mike McCarthy is not going to let that fly. And so maybe he takes a step further, even more so as a passer this year. We saw Rodgers throw 40-plus TDs on multiple occasions under McCarthy. If they get that same weaponry back, Amari Cooper returns, hopefully. Uh, Michael Gallup, maybe he takes another step forward. Maybe they re-sign Randall Cobb, who has that history under McCarthy. If all these weapons come back, I don't see any reason why Dak can't at least repeat a you know top five, maybe even top three finish again, and maybe even take another step forward and get to 40 TDs, 4,500 yards, as Aaron Rodgers did so many times here before. For him, he, the only guy I would take above Dak Prescott at this point in fantasy would be Lamar Jackson and Pat Mahomes. Uh, you know, Dak a tier below both those guys, but the head of that tier, in my opinion, of other upside QB ones. Now, the next question under McCarthy: Zeke Elliott, should we be nervous or could he continue to thrive? Uh, we see these offenses. Mike McCarthy, he mismanaged Aaron Jones. He never rode a bell cow in Green Bay. Uh, There's only five times in 13 years that a running back had more than 240 attempts. This is going to be a low volume attack. Zeke, let's panic. Let's hit that button. 
Give me a break. Zeke Elliott is a monster. His floor will always be top five in fantasy. Over his three seasons uh, that were full seasons, he was suspended for you know seven games or whatever it was. He's always been a top five running back, and he's going to be again. And Mike McCarthy himself said, you know, make no mistake about it. The first thing off of Zeke is he's going to get the football. I think you clearly understand what you saw. The offense that makes a quarterback successful is a great run game. So we clearly understand what we have here and how we can build off that. Zeke is his foundation. He's well aware of that. And if you don't believe me that he would actually ride a workhorse, just look back to his Saints days when he had a beastly power back at his disposal. That was Ricky Williams and then Deuce McAllister. And I still think Zeke, uh, maybe Ricky Williams is comparable, but definitely better than Deuce McAllister. Their stat lines were insane. They actually averaged 395 touches over 16 games. Ricky Williams, his first season, only 10 games played, but he was on pace for 467 touches, 2,254 yards and 14 TDs. The next season, he got 373, including 60 receptions, 1,756 yards, 7 TDs. Then McAllister comes in and he continues to rumble under McCarthy. 372, 1740, 16 TDs with 47 receptions. Then uh, a ridiculous 420 touches, including 69 uh, receptions there. Double nice. 2,157 yards total and 8 TDs. And then in 14 games, still top 300 touches, 303, 34 uh, receptions, and then 1,300 yards and 9 TDs. So, I mean, if he's going to feed McAllister that much, you could only imagine what he will do with Zeke. Don't let that Aaron Jones mismanage it. And yes, we can all agree it was a horrible mismanagement of Aaron Jones, who just finished with 21 touchdowns this year. We understand that was an idiot move. I'm sure McCarthy understands it's an idiot move. He already has come out and said, I really like the balance that Matt LaFleur has established there. Uh, so I think he has learned from his mistakes, part of his film study. I mean, he's again cited the Ravens and 49ers multiple times as offenses he's really dug into this year. Those are the two red heaviest teams in the league. So I expect Zeke to continue to thrive. I think you know 2,000 total yards, 15-plus TDs is not without the question here. And at minimum, again, it should see top five type stats. Do not blow it. Make sure you get Zeke within your top five in fantasy. And then last but not least, how could this impact the receivers? And again, we're going to get RJ Ochoa's take on all of these. Uh, but I want to give you guys my quick breakdown first. Um, but it's been a very pass-centric attack. As we've said, it's almost funneled exclusively to wide receivers. Very few noteworthy tight end uh, seasons in there. We had a couple with like Jermichael Finley. Uh, There were outliers. It wasn't really a consistent, steady tight end presence here, but there was always, almost always, I I think only once or twice was there not a 1,200-plus yard receiver. I mean, Joan Horn, back in the day from 2000 to 2004 with the Saints, he consistently balled out for over 30. 1,300 yards uh, and multiple touchdowns, you know, over double digits in across a ton of seasons. So you get that. And then the Packers, I mean, you know, Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, James Jones, 14 touchdown season, uh, Jordy Nelson, just a ridiculous collection of monster seasons. And, and multiple times, you know, like 2014, for example, Jordy Nelson, 98 catches on 151 targets, 1,519 yards, 13 TDs, alongside Randall Cobb, 91 catches, 127 targets for 1,287 yards and 12 TDs, two 
top seven wide receiver seasons because this aerial pie is so huge and because it's so concentrated to the wide receivers. So you got to love what that means for if Amari Cooper returns. He would definitely be that driver's seat, the Devontae Adams style guy, runs the full route tree as well as anybody in the league, would be bathed in about 150 or so targets. And with those, I think he could easily best the career season he had last year. Uh, when he had 1,189 yards and 8 TDs. Half that season, he was dealing with an injury, clearly wasn't so healthy, uh, and still put up the wide receiver 9 numbers on the year. I think he could easily break into that top 5 under McCarthy, assuming he is back. And if not, uh, I'll give you a little preview. Michael Gallup, RJ Ochoa definitely thinks he could shoulder those number 1 duties. So if that is the case, if it is Michael Gallup, and let's say you know around 5 or 6 here in early best ball drafts, if he's the number 1 and shoulder Shoulders that the Devontae Adams style role. You're looking at 1,300 yards and double digit TDs for potentially Michael Gallup here. So I love Gallup. I love Cooper if he returns. And if both are there, I wouldn't be shocked to see that you know, double thousand yard, double digit TD season for both guys uh, because the aerial pie is just so massive here. And at last but not least, you know, if Jason Witten is gone, what does that mean for Blake Jarwin? I'm going to let our boy RJ Ochoa answer that one, uh, but could be a sneaky fantasy season there. So that is my quick breakdown of Mike McCarthy. Again, uh, a very pass-happy, pass-centric offense with Kellen Moore is now influenced to be more creative, especially with pre-snap motion and personnel, only means great things for Dak Prescott, who I think does not only repeat, but also builds on that 4,092-yard, 30-touchdown season. Very excited to see what he does in 2020 under McCarthy with this perfect marriage. I think it also means great things for Zeke Elliott. It's all optimism here. I was going to sound you know, ridiculous here. You're so happy about all of them, but I love Zeke Elliott. I think he's going to ride him like he used to. His Saints backs, don't look at the Packers. Get those out of here. Even though there still were some good seasons from Eddie Lacy, Ryan Grant, uh, Zeke Elliott's a completely different back, and Ricky Williams is really the only comparable talent who he was going to ride for 470 touches. So I do think Zeke is a candidate for three, you know, the 355 or so he's averaged across his career, I think you should definitely see that smattering again. Uh, another candidate for 1,814 TDs of last year. I think that again, his floor, which is just insane. And then last but not least, because it's such a pass-centric uh, wide receiver, heavy aerial pie, I definitely think Gallup is well worth an investment. And if Cooper is back, he'd be the top option. Um, and I still think both guys are 1,000-yard, 10-plus TD, top 15 fantasy-wide receivers. Uh, they, they drip in that style upside. And if not, no Amari Cooper there. Michael Gallup could still have a monster season. All righty, guys. That's my quick breakdown. Uh, 13 minutes here about the Cowboys offense. Let's get RJ Ochoa in here now and hear the insider's take. See if he agrees with some of my takes here. Uh, what he's expecting of this Kellen Moore and uh, and Mike McCarthy pairing here in 2020. We are thrilled to bring back now for the fourth time. It's got to be second place now amongst our beat writers, and for good reason. We keep bringing him back because it's always fantastic. That's RJ Ochoa of SB Nation's Blogging the Boys. He also hosts the Osho and Saturday Morning Hangover on ESPN San Antonio. He's here to break down what's already been a crazy offseason for the Cowboys and kind of preview what lies ahead this offseason. RJ, how's everything going, man? It's going well. Happy New Year to you and everyone, and I uh, hope you guys had a Merry Christmas and uh, Happy Thanksgiving while we're at it. Uh, yeah. It's uh, it's good to be, uh, you know, something I do every offseason is I rewatch Entourage, 
And so mm. I'm excited. It's, it's about that time. So I'm pretty pumped to hang out with the boys. Oh, hell yeah, dude. I absolutely love that show. I've rewatched it maybe four times now, too. So that's a fantastic tradition. It's nice to kind of unwind in the off season like that. But for you, I know you guys have already been lightning busy because it's been a crazy off season for your Cowboys. Um, and, I, and I'd love to dive in with you and kind of break down what we've got so far. You good with that? Of course. All righty, my man. Well, the, the biggest news already is Mike McCarthy. He's been hired. And, and last year, you gave us a great breakdown of Kellen Moore, his potential to kind of raise the ceilings for all these offensive players, especially Dak. And you knocked that out of the park. I ended up getting Dak on all my fantasy teams because you, you recommended him. And, and that obviously panned out the quarterback, too. We'll break down his prospects in a little bit. Um, I'm just trying to get a sense of what is Mike McCarthy going to bring to the table? Who's going to be calling the plays? What should we expect from like a ski? and an overall point of view. Uh, so what are you expecting here in Dallas this year? Well, I tell you, I'm really interested to see how Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore can marry their their thoughts and their philosophies and their concepts. Obviously, Kellen is still really young and, you know, granted has had a, a really impressive season under his belt as an offensive coordinator. And, uh, you know, Mike McCarthy came out and said that Kellen would call the plays. And, you know, while, you know, the literalness, I think, of, of that is important, it remains to be seen exactly what the overall offensive system is. Mike McCarthy's done a, a pretty good job, I think, of keeping his cards close to the vest there. But um, I, I think that, you know, it's it's important. I think there's a lot of continuity that's often necessary when you change coaching staffs. And so for the Cowboys to keep Kellen Moore uh, and keep the process as similar as it can be, I think, is big. Uh, you know, you mentioned that we talked about Kellen and how big he would be for Dak, and I think that was great. Something that that I didn't anticipate being as big of a factor was John Kitna, the Cowboys quarterback's mm. coach. I mean, he was so instrumental in Dak Prescott's uh, physical mechanics and uh, really kind of helping him understand things. And if everybody saw the the hip thing, um, you know, and how, how big that was. That was all John Kitna. And so the Cowboys have moved on from him. I think that that's important to note. Uh, Doug Nussmeyer is going to be the quarterback's coach. He was the team's tight ends coach a year ago. Uh, Nussmeyer is the former offensive coordinator at the University of Alabama. He was uh, their offensive coordinator when Amari Cooper was there. So there's familiarity there. I mean, you know, he's moving offices or whatever. But um, I, I think that, you know, this this will be different. But I think it will be different in a way that uh, should be exciting. You know, Mike McCarthy has said many times since getting his new job that he spent a lot of time watching the 49ers. And uh, if, if the Cowboys can do anything like that, I think that obviously a lot of people will be really happy. But um, you know, he's, he's mentioned the word analytics several times, which has people pretty pumped. Yeah, absolutely. I, you mentioned he was watching the 49ers, and I, I was digging into McCarthy a bit, and this McCarthy project keeps getting brought up. I know you guys wrote about it a lot at the blog and the boys, uh, which I, I love those breakdowns on it. Do you have any sense of, you know, what this might do? Do you buy into it that he's kind of refreshed and broken all the, this film down after everyone kind of accused him of getting stale? Do you think, uh, you know, what does this kind of suggest about him for 2020 coming forward? I definitely buy that he, you know, was humbled and yeah. and realized that, you know, some things may have changed. You know, I don't know that I buy, um, you know, that he is the first guy to download the, you know, 2020 <laughs> draft guide from Pro Football Focus when it drops. Right. I don't know if he's that tuned in, uh, but I mean, I certainly believe that he surrounded himself with ideas and concepts that yielded success and he wanted a piece of that. And I, you know, I, I think that, you know, it's interesting that this would happen uh, in a season where analytics were at the forefront of everybody's mm. conversations and you look at what the Ravens did. And then, you know, in a playoff season where that kind of imploded, 
at the hands of, you know, teams that could really run the ball. So I don't know how much that has uh, maybe caused him to doubt whatever he learned potentially, but I, I do believe that he – um, he, he went back, you know, I mean, I think everybody's failed a class, you know what I mean? And I yeah. think, uh, you know, when, when you go back, I, I failed physics and when, you know, I, I failed the thermodynamics portion of physics. And the second time I took the class when we, you know, the first, you know, six weeks, or whatever, it was like, okay, cool. Like I, I've got this. But then when the thermodynamics part hit, I was like, okay, I've, I've really got to pay attention here. And I think that McCarthy went and did that. So I think that that's, that I, I definitely do. Buy. Awesome. Yeah. And the last like overarching kind of question is, are the, is it going to be a clash of kind of systems and philosophies? I know you know most good coordinators will mold to their talents, but in terms of Kellen Moore, he's you know came from that more Linehan and and Air Coriel, uh, you know under Jason Garrett, the more vertical based offense. Where we've seen Mike McCarthy, he's a, a Bill Walshian disciple, you know West Coast, the more horizontal, quick strike, you know run after the catch style with some verticality, obviously mixed in. I know there's no you know set in stone. You have to be a West Coast versus an Air Coriel. So, but but there is a little bit of a clash between these two. So, what do you think is going to ultimately be this offense? Is it going to be a hybrid? Is it, what what are you kind of expecting from that play calling overall philosophy standpoint? I do think that it will be a hybrid in the sense of capitalizing on the talent the Cowboys have. I think that at times the organization as a whole, you know, they had Des Bryant who wasn't really this horizontal type, you know, receiver. Um, and that's how they tried to use him. And that's why things have been kind of broke near the end. I think, you know, Amari Cooper's a guy who can, can move there. Michael Gallup, Randall Cobb. And so I think that um, I think that the Cowboys overall and Mike McCarthy, perhaps in their own different ways, have learned from those mistakes. And so I think that it's, it's a hybrid in the sense of they're going to be so willing to say, what do our players do well? Let's lean into that. Yeah, perfect. Um, and, and so we we highlighted the fact that Dak exploded fantasy quarterback two career highs, uh, four uh, four thousand ninety two yards, thirty TDs. Both were top four in the league. And this kind of question is going to be a two parter. Is he one hundred percent going to be back? Is there any circumstance he kind of gets away and holds out? And if he is back, should we expect more of the same? Is there any chance he could even be better? Uh, so so both of those two questions there. I would be personally just flabbergasted if that yeah. <laughs> was, was playing anywhere. I, I think the worst case scenario is he's playing on a franchise tag. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, I just I cannot envision a world where he's playing quarterback for a non-Cowboys team in 2020. Um, so I, I think he'll be back. I, in terms of you know, can it get better? I I don't see why it can't. You know, I think if if you look at Dak's season individually and you just you know you look at the statistics of it all. Uh, you know, Dak was incredible. The final drive against the Minnesota Vikings that he had, uh, mm-hmm. final sort of full drive. I believe he went something like six of seven for 79 yards on that drive, if memory serves. It was something like that. I know he was six of seven. I might be off on the yardage. Uh, and then the Cowboys decided to run the ball twice. And, uh, and then there was the, the punt mishap and the miscommunication with Tavon Austin and everything. And after that, Dak was never really the same guy. Uh, but because the Cowboys didn't really use Dak the same way. I mean, we saw them uh, get really conservative with him and really, you know, kind of scared and timid with him. And so I, I think that Mike McCarthy, you know, he's, you know, you can certainly point to the fact that, you know, they were Joe Montana, Brett Favre, and Aaron Rodgers, but he's gotten a lot out of young yeah. quarterbacks. And so I, I do think that he's going to find a way to say, you know what, it's kind of ridiculous to have this guy balling at an uncontrollable level, unbelievable level, and, and just kind of, 
cage that in. And so I think that he'll lean into that. And I think that there's there's potential for Dak to get better. I know that's really hard. I think the first three three games of the year, he hadn't thrown an incompletion in the, fir- in the third quarter, something like that. And so that kind of stuff, I think, is hard to improve upon. But I definitely think that that potential is there. Absolutely. I know they, you know, the terms of passing on first down and things of that nature, uh, Mike McCarthy's always been towards the top in the league. He's already come out and said, I love Dak. There's not a thing he can't do. Uh, so, so I'm really excited to see what this kind of mix and merge between more, you know, Moore's ingenuity and creativity between the him and then the experience of Mike McCarthy. I'm, I'm hoping it's even better. So who knows? But fantasy QB2 is going to be tough to top. I know Mahomes' injury had part to do with that as well. Uh, still, he's my quarterback three right now. And another huge weapon, obviously, on the other side of the ball there is Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, down year in some eyes, but then you look at the final numbers, it's kind of insane. Fantasy running back four, nearly 1,800 total yards from scrimmage, 14 total TDs. It was fourth in the league. Uh, somewhere worried though about Mike McCarthy so pass happy from Green Bay we saw Aaron Jones who exploded this year kind of rot under Mike McCarthy for a few years is there any reason to be concerned about Zeke's usage and, and what type of run game are you expecting here well I think uh you know the Cowboys paid the running back 90 million dollars and yeah. you know I think they wanted to prove that that was a worthwhile investment and um, I, I certainly, you know, it, it is strange or interesting or fascinating to to watch and to speculate how Mike McCarthy could operate with Zeke because he's never had a runner like him. Mm. Um, but, you know, Zeke, you know, Zeke had a down year and, and still finished in the top five in rushing. You know, if you care about that, obviously, from a fantasy angle. And so yeah. I think I mean, I think that Zeke's floor is a top five running back in the NFL, which is absurd. And so. I mean, from a fantasy perspective, I think if you're, you know, there are definitely, I think, higher ceiling picks. I mean, if uh, in my fantasy draft next season, I was debating between Zeke and Saquon Barkley, I mean, with Jason Garrett now, you know, interestingly, or Zeke and Alvin Kamara, I might lean Zeke just because I know that that floor is higher and I can count mm-hmm. on that. Those other guys have a little bit more home run potential, but, you know, some, some weird things can happen as well. Absolutely. And and even though his Green Bay, you know, running backs, there weren't a ton of great ones yet. Like Eddie Lacy have a couple of good years, Grant Green. If you look back at uh way back in New Orleans too, when you had Ricky Williams and Deuce McAllister, right. they they averaged I, I did out the math, uh three hundred and ninety five touches um per season. You know, Williams had a ridiculous ten game stretch and then he got hurt, but he was on pace for four hundred and sixty seven touches, twenty two hundred and fifty four yards, fourteen TDs, and those are like the more comparable, in my opinion, style and backs to Zeke so I'm with you you know if we we don't really look at Green Bay as anyone he's had like Zeke uh, a lot of people are so nervous about it so it's good to hear you know it, it's I agree totally the, the floor is top five and there still is that ceiling that you know he used to ride workhorses completely with New Orleans so I'm with you there I think Zeke is definitely still in my top five fantasy wise I've seen a lot of people move him out of there which is just crazy to me um uh, another stud for you guys last year though was amari cooper career highs in yardage tds uh went to the best fantasy season of his five-year career uh, wide receiver nine in fantasy definitely you know, the injury kind of hampered him in that second half but still uh, was a beast in every sense of the word he's a free agent though this year so the first question is do you expect him to be back with the cowboys uh, you know um i, I mean I, my answer is yes, but I'll yeah. say that I I'm not not confident in that, but I'm less overwhelmed with confidence than I used to be. Uh, certainly a year ago at this time, 
you know, it was really interesting. Amari's a different guy. I, mm-hmm. I think it should be mentioned. He's, you know, I, I could honestly, I mean, I, I'm speculating, but Amari's that kind of guy. It's like, you know, I don't need that much money. You know, like this is enough. I, I can live off this for the rest mm-hmm. of my life. We, I don't have to be the highest paid dude. He's just, he's a, a different guy like that. And so, um, I, but I do find the way the Cowboys handled or managed and really publicized the non-injury. I mean, to your point, I think everybody in the world looks at his production over the second half of the season, and you don't have to be a bright football mind to say, yeah, I mean, he was clearly dealing with something, but Mm -hmm. they have been so firm in that he was not, that he was not hurt, there was nothing going on there. And so it's it's really strange. Um, And and again, I I don't subscribe to this philosophy, but the, the take is out there if you comb through Twitter there's a handful of people that say, well, Michael Gallup sure did well. You know, I don't know that we need to pay Amari Cooper. I mean, there's, you know, it, it's draft season. That's part of it. But a lot of people want the Cowboys to just franchise Amari and draft Henry Ruggs. And, you know, you you kind of ride Amari for 2020 and then move on and, and operate with a Ruggs and Gallup pair for the foreseeable mm-hmm. future. But I don't know. I mean, those those are interesting hypotheticals. But I mean, again, I'm not as confident that they'll, you know, in Amari that they'll pay Dak, or that, I'm not as confident they'll pay him as I am that they'll pay Dak, but I would also be stunned if, if somehow they let him get away. I mean, they did trade a first-round pick for him less than two years ago. Exactly, yeah. I think the draft capital says a lot. That, I mean, I'm just imagining that offense. If they did have Cooper drafted Ruggs and Gallup, I mean, D- Dak would just explode. Uh, so let's let's play the game. If he is back uh, and they have Amari Cooper, We've seen some wide receiver ones, you know, dating back to Joe Horn in New Orleans, like five straight 1,300-yard years. We have Adams, Jordy Nelson, like all these guys kind of. There's always this anchor number one wide receiver. Do you see Cooper being that again for the Cowboys? You mentioned Gallup as well. We'll, we'll get to him and his prospects too. Uh, but but do you think he'd be that true, you know, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams-style number one for McCarthy? I do, and I do think that Mike McCarthy, I mean, from from a fantasy angle, I think – you have the potential to grab a piece of all these guys. I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. what year it was. You could probably tell me better than I, but I've only got two fantasy titles to my name. But, I mean, <laughs> there was that year where, you know, Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, James Jones were all serviceable fantasy options. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think the 2020 version of Amari, Michael Gallup, and if we're to assume Randall Cobb is back as well, I, I kind of like that trio more. And so I, I think that, you know, there's, there's, it's a big fantasy pie, and I think that a lot of guys can, can be had from it. And I think Amari's obviously kind of the leading candidate there, but I think that Gallup is, is certainly, you know, if you walk away and, you know, you'd rather draft, I mean, call it whoever else, you know, with your first three picks, uh, one of those, I mean, and you come away with Michael Gallup in like the sixth round, I mean, that's hard to be, you know, disappointed with. I know. I mean, he had an insane year, 66 catches, 1,100 yards, uh, six TDs, and was the wide receiver 22, doubled up pretty much everything uh, from his rookie season. So I, I totally get you. Yeah, there's, I have you know an article on the, the website, roastreetjournal.com, where we, we do break down every single p- t- tandem and pair. And there was more than you know a half of his time, he had a double thousand yard receivers and, and tons of those tandems, especially that one year he had the trio of, you know, thousand yards. James Jones had like 14 TDs. It was insane. Uh, so yeah, yeah, definitely, I love that word aerial pie too. There's just so much to go around in this pass happy offense, especially with Kellen Moore back. So I totally agree with you. Now let's play the hypothetical on the reverse side though. Let's say Cooper doesn't return. Do you think, you know, how do you think Gallup would fare as that top receiver? Would he handle that responsibility in defensive attention would you expect an actual downtick could he be that true number one here 
I think he could be. Um, and, you know, this is this is a really interesting time, I think, for the Cowboys offense in that regard because uh, there's an interesting report at, at the time that you and I are talking about Jason Witten potentially joining the New York Giants. And, I mean, if we're to assume that Jason Witten is not part of the Cowboys, you know, offensive personnel to any capacity, uh, with or without Amari Cooper, I mean, I do think that if we're operating in a world without Amari and then presumably Jason Witten, I think that Michael Gallup could certainly handle number one wide receiver duties. But I think in that scenario, I think that Blake Jarwin has really developed mm. as a, a legitimate passing option for the Cowboys. Uh, I mean, he's been that guy before. He's averaged, you know, like 13, 15 yards per reception at times. And so I, I think that I think that that's the, the you know, if if you're to tell me, OK, Michael Gallup became a star number one wide receiver in 2020. What else had to have happened for that to be the case? I think it's that Blake Jarwin really just blew up. Yeah, that, that's it. I have that question down there too. Uh, with, if Witten was gone, you know, Jarwin, we've talked about him before that athleticism and we've seen, you know, three touchdown days from that guy. So that would be really, really intriguing if, you know, he ends up being a weapon because no one has him on the radar right now. If there's some psychos out there doing best ball drafts already, you know, Blake mm-hmm. Jarwin, you're going to get him 20 rounds, you know, the last round. Why not take that stab at this point? I think that's a, a really interesting name to highlight. You also mentioned, uh, earlier Randall Cobb, that experience under Mike McCarthy. He had a solid first year with the Cowboys, but he's also a free agent. Do you think he's going to be back because of that rich history? And if so, do you think you you know another solid year in the makings for him? What do you think of Cobb? I um I hate to to be this guy and have this take because it's like you know you hear the take around free agency. Oh, you know, there's no state income tax in Texas or Florida. Like that, you know, that ultimately <laughs> means nothing. Um, but I do believe that the Mike McCarthy factor has to help and. You know, reports are, you know, Randall Cobb's wife is at this time, they may have had their child. They were they were about to have a second baby uh, and they're really kind of planted in the Dallas area. And so I could see mm-hmm. him saying, you know what, my situation's great here. We got this young, you know, growing, loving family. I mean, I know this head coach. I really, you know, sort of vibe and, and, and got along with this whole team and et cetera. And so I, I, I think that there's a lot of easy dots to connect. And yeah. I think it would it would have to take a really – uh, tempting situation to lure Randall Cowboy. I mean, it's certainly possible, obviously. But um, if if I had to, you know, put some jelly beans on it, I think I I'm more of a believer that he's back than I'm a believer that he's elsewhere. Awesome. Uh, and if back, do you think he, you know, would even expand on last year's numbers? Could he be a bigger sleeper than he was last year? Because he really had he had a, a, like a four or five game pocket stretch where he was really usable and then kind of disappeared again. Is there any reason to expect him to be a, a consistent fantasy player or would you expect him to be someone that's just difficult to trust on a week-to-week basis? Yeah, I think the latter. I mean, I yeah. think he's maybe an interesting, you know, DFS play, you know, some weeks if, if Amari's hurt. Now, if mm-hmm. Amari's not back, you know, then you go, yeah. things become way more interesting for Randall Cobb. But I don't know that he's um, – I mean, I'm, I'm not a fantasy enough expert to say he's draftable or not draftable, but I, I, I wouldn't want to be the guy that had to deal with that headache because there's always that mm-hmm. guy, and I, I don't want to be that, that guy that has to, you know, well, what is, is this going to be the Randall Cobb? Should I play him over, you know, uh, I, I mean, call it whoever. I mean, I, I just – I don't want to have uh, to be bothered with that early Sunday morning. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, the, the last name, at least that I can think of, and feel free if I've missed any players here to, to add them in there. Uh, but the last name I can think of to cover would be Tony Pollard. We saw some nice big playability, uh, but you know he's definitely behind Zeke, uh, very firmly so. So is, is there any reason you think his role might grow? Is he just kind of one of those upside handcuffs for, for fantasy? Or, or what do you think of Tony Pollard in 2020? 
I definitely think, you know, um, and I think it depends on the type of league you're playing in, right? Like if you're in a dynasty league and you've got Zeke, I think you absolutely have to have Tony Pollard. I don't mm-hmm. know your philosophical stance on handcuffs and sort of a, a redraft league, but I've never been that, you know, that guy. I mean, unless we're talking like old school Arian Foster, you know, I mean, yeah. that, in that case, I think uh, I, I believe in him more. But um, so if you're in redraft, I don't know. But, I, you know, the more every time I think about Tony Pollard, I think about Ty Montgomery. And there was, mm. you know, that that little spell where he was just he was this niche for Mike McCarthy. And so I think that Tony has that potential. But, you know, if you know, and we've done a lot of assuming in, in multiple directions in this conversation. But if, yeah. if we're to assume because all these things, I, I think, are somewhat practical. If we're to assume that Amari Cooper is back, if we're to assume that Randall Cobb is back, if we're to assume that Blake Jarwin has an elevated role in, an, in a world absent of Jason Witten, then I just I don't know how you find touches for Tony Pollard. And so. Um, unless it is a dynasty league or you're, you're just kind of investing in the future, or you feel like buying a lotto ticket. I don't know that, you know, that that's worth burning. There, there's a lot of other ways to take chances and to buy lotto tickets. Um, but, but I do think, I mean, again, I think it's worth mentioning that Mike McCarthy talked about watching the 49ers specifically, and mm-hmm. we've seen how effective they've been at running the ball with all sorts of people. And I think that it's, it's a little bit easier to do that when you have this, and I mean, no disrespect to any San Francisco player, but you have this cast of, of just, right sort of guys as opposed to having this star and then Tony Pollard. So I think it's, it, it's, it's very difficult to talk yourself into taking Zeke off the field. And I think that even for Mike McCarthy, that might be the case. Exactly. So beyond fantasy now, you know, what do you expect from the Cowboys in 2020? Do you think McCarthy's going to you know, really right this ship? Do you think they're going to win the NFC East? If not, who do you think takes it? What, what's your record prediction and all that? Uh, what do you think for the Cowboys this year? Well, I, um, you know, I haven't gone and counted exactly yet, but, you know, just off the top of my head, there are a lot of teams I feel like that when they get a new head coach, they've, they've tended to have done well. And, I, you know, you look at the first year of the Chiefs and Andy, obviously now mm-hmm. it's you know, a way different thing. You look at the Packers this year and Matt LaFleur. You look at uh, the Bears last year with Matt Nagy. You look, I mean, I think a lot of times when, when new faces, new people, new voices come in, you know, you typically, and that's, you know, that's typically your coach of the year or whatever. And so I think that Mike McCarthy uh, has a chance. And I think that, you know, this is a Cowboys team that in all eight of their victories scored over 30 points. And mm. in their eight losses did incredible things to just kind of, you know, they found the, the most improbable way to lose and ultimately yeah. did that. They lost kind of in spite of themselves. And so, um, I, you know, I also think that it, it should be said that they caught a lot of breaks. I mean, the Cowboys caught the Saints without Drew Brees. They caught the Packers without Devontae Adams, the Vikings without Adam Thielen. And so that kind of luck isn't necessarily, you know, you can't replicate that as easily. Uh, but I do think that this, this is a very talented team. And I still, you know, I know that there's a lot of new head coaches, a lot of new faces, and we'll see what all the offseason moves bring. But there still is not a team in the NFC East that I think really kind of stands in their way uh, as of the way they're all currently constructed. So I think that they win the NFC East. I think they're a 9-10 win team. I think their division is still a little bit lower overall. And um, I, I don't know that they can compete right now with the 49ers. I think that I, I'm fascinated to see what the Saints do this offseason. And mm. I, I just – I got to imagine that they're so worn out, you know, from from climbing that mountain every year just to lose yeah. and, and lose painfully. Um, so I think that, you know, we could see a bit of a changing of the guard in terms of the top handful of teams. And – I think the Cowboys can get there. And, you know, we saw the Titans kind of get a little weird in the playoffs. I think the Cowboys can, can potentially do that. I think they're a division winner uh, with uh, hopefully a fun January in 2021. Awesome. Nice. Uh, and you mentioned Andy Reid, too. That's the one guy that keeps 
I see Mike McCarthy getting compared to you, Gru Stale, right. even despite being successful, and then you know, studied the offseason, kind of you know, revamped himself, and now you see what he's doing. Do you think? Do you think the Chiefs win the Super Bowl this year? Who's your Who's your prediction there? Uh, yeah, I do. I yeah. mean, I think I, I think that the, this is going to be a fun Super Bowl. I haven't been this excited for one in a while. I know. Um, and um, but. In great games like this, I think, you know, this is a cliche, but you lean with the better quarterback. It's yeah. so hard to bet against Pat Mahomes, and Kyle Shanahan's done such a great job. But I just, um, you know, the, the Chiefs, I'm a, I'm a San Antonio Spurs fan, and the Chiefs kind of remind me of the 2014 Spurs after they'd lost in Game 7 the year before to the Heat. Mm. And you could just you could just feel all season long the following year, like they, they had showed up specifically to beat the Heat in the finals, and then they yeah. dismantled them. And so the, the Chiefs kind of have that vibe. Like, you know, from from the morning after last year's AFC Championship game, they've just been obsessed with this. And so yeah. um, I, I'm – but I tell you, I'm really excited for Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. I've never had any shares of them in any fantasy league, and I really want to change that next year. Yeah, absolutely. It's a huge edge. I got destroyed by uh, Kelsey in my final, so I'm going to make sure to, to get that tight end edge <laughs> this year. It's brutal. Right. Well, RJ, this was awesome. I mean, hopefully, you know, as the offseason develops – we can have you get back on as the summer's getting closer and we see some training camp action going. Uh, but why don't you remind our listeners where they can find you, where they can interact. Uh, and once again, thanks so much for the time. Of course. I always appreciate it. Um, I need as all that fantasy advice I can get. I've, <laughs> I've fallen off. I've gotten a little too busy. And so I really need to get back on, on my stuff next year. But uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at RJ Ochoa. Those are kind of the hubs for everything I do. You can check us out at blogontheboys.com. You can listen to our podcast uh, networks, you know, search Blog on the Boys. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's uh, kind of how we roll. Hope you have a great spring and summer, and I uh, hope Tiger wins the Masters again. It's really kind of all I've been thinking about lately. Awesome, dude. Yeah, and enjoy the uh, the rewatch of Entourage as well. I, I might have to get on that train as well. <laughs> I will. Thanks. All righty. Thanks again for the time, RJ. Have a great rest of your, your winter and spring, as you said. Yeah. You too, man. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Second effort, third effort, touchdown! Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.